This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, I thank Apostle Theo and Pastor Bev for the opportunity that I have to break the bread of life with you, to share the word with you, and I'm excited about this word because I know that it's going to be speaking to your heart just like it did mine, and um, maybe what we should do is let's pray, and then we'll go into it. Father, thank you tonight as we come together to hear your word. Father, your word is life-giving. It's No human creates that. It's not a a man-made thing at all. But Father, when your word is spoken and there are ears to hear, then life happens. So thank you that as these seeds of life are sown into every person's heart, that Father, we will appreciate the fact that we can worship you in so many different ways, that our expression of love towards you is something that we will cherish. And we pray that you take us to a new level as far as our worship is concerned. Help us to have a healthy respect for worship and take every opportunity that we have to express our love to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing on with the series that we started a couple of weeks ago called All In. How many of you have been here for some, or if not all, of the various um, meetings that we've had on all in, and, and, and have you felt like God has really spoken to your heart and maybe reminded you about things? Perhaps we've slipped away in a couple of areas, and, and through these uh, messages talking about us going all in for God in the various areas that we've spoken about, it's triggered something in our hearts, maybe a reminder or a slight tugging, a, a correction, a realignment perhaps, uh, or maybe just completely new revelation. Um, I want to start by reading Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11. This is our, our foundational scripture for this series. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you. So we'll just stop right there and take a moment to remind ourselves that God has plans for us. They are plans for good. And all that you've experienced from God is not all that he has to offer. If you're still alive today, then everything that you've had or experienced up until now is not everything that God has to offer. There's so much more that He has in store for you. Every day of your life, every part of your future is a part of His plan for your life. And then He says there are plans for good. Say good. 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 And not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So, I mean, these are all positive aspects of what God has in store for you. But here is the qualifier of getting or forgetting the plans of God. And this is what he says. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So he has plans, but he wants us to look for him wholeheartedly. He wants us to be all in, if we were to translate that into the Hebrew. I'm kidding, but... um, That's what he's talking about wholeheartedly with everything in us. So this is our theme verse for the subject. And as we've discussed, we've spoken about or heard about the fact that we were created for good works. Um, We've spoken, Apostle Jenny spoke about our generation. and, And even though the world may seem like it's upside down right now, and it is, that should not stop us. In fact, that should motivate us even more for going all in for God. We should not be sidetracked by all of the noise if I can call it that, that's going on in the world today. No, we need to give everything that we have to God. And, and one of the other areas that we spoke about was discipleship and next steps. 
And so these are a whole bunch of areas where we can give God our absolute best. The thesis, really, for this whole series could be summed up like this, and you'll see it on the screens as well. I'll never get the best of what God has to offer until I give God my best. God is not in the halfway business. How many of you know that? He's not into half measures, right? God is what kind of God? He's an all-in God. And if you're not all-in, then you're not going to get the best of God. That's just really what He wants us to know. And that's why we're so excited about what we've shared in this series. And, and tonight, I'm dealing with a topic that um, all of us, as I said this morning, just promoting the message, that we all have a natural ability to go all in, in, with. And that is the ability to express our gratitude, to express our emotions, to express our worship, our worship expression. We do it. Sometimes we do it unknowingly, and I'm not specifically talking in the context of church, but I'm talking in the context of life. We find ourselves giving full expression to something, maybe when a goal is scored or, or when a point is, is won in tennis or in golf, whatever it may be. Perhaps even your child at school and they're on the team and they do something, and, and then all of a sudden there's this natural expression that comes out from us because of the, the gratitude and the joy and the excitement that we have in that moment. And that's what I'm talking about. You didn't have to, you didn't have to like conjure that up. It just happened, right? And so God can bring us to this place. Today, many, so many consider what so many consider to be worship doesn't look like what God intended. A lot of people are not enjoying God's best because they haven't worshipped God the way that He wants to be worshipped. That's right, God has a way in which He wants us to worship Him. So let's just define quickly the word worship. The word worship defined is love expressed. Can you say that? To express my love is worship. So that's what the word worship means. Love expressed. So what are we saying? We're saying that worship isn't worship without love, and worship isn't worship without expression. We have to have both in order for it to be worship. We don't have an option to say, listen, um, I don't do it, you know, I want to do it in my style, my particular way. We don't have that option. God is really clear on this, and that's what we're going to be looking at. God has picked the style. He's the one who's decided how he wants to be worshipped because he's worthy and because this is what he desires. He's deserving and he desires it. Say this, say, God has picked the style. Some think that we here at Christian Family Church are contemporary or modern. We're just, we're just a little bit too modern for their liking. There's, there's too much going on on this platform, too many instruments and musicians and, and too much sound and, and uh, things like that to, to really uh, uh, help uh, with our worship experience. They may say, but no, this is a bit too contemporary for my liking. Well, I want to tell you that we're not contemporary. We're actually very traditional. If you like traditional, we at CFC are traditional. We are traditional in the sense that we look just like the Bible did 3,000 years ago when the book of Psalms was being written. So if that's your flavor, then we have it for you. We're traditional. We look just like David wrote about in the book of Psalms on how God desires to be worshiped. Let's just see what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 22, uh, verses 37. 
It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's talking about your emotions. In other words, he wants that element of you to get involved. And he says, with all your mind. This is what God wants. He wants you all in when you're worshiping him. This is the style that he desires. In John 4, 23, it says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, that's an interesting way to phrase it, the true worshipers, that would mean that there are some who worship that aren't worshiping in truth, or aren't true worshipers. They will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father is looking for, or the Father seeks, it says. That's the kind um, that he's looking for, this word worship that we've just read in John 4. If we look at that word in the Greek, which was the language of the time when Jesus lived, I don't know if you're aware, but he didn't walk around in England. He didn't grow up in England. So the Bible wasn't written in English. How many of you know that? The Greek word worship here actually means to kiss. And it's not the kind of kiss that lovers kiss with or a passionate kind of kiss. That's not the kind of kiss that it's talking about. It's talking about the way a dog licks its master's hand. Wow, that's something I think many of us can relate to. How many dog people have we got here in the house tonight? Listen to the one goes, whoo, whoo, whoo. So that's what, that's what it's talking about. Now, we have two Jack Russells at home, two females. I suppose you could call them Jackie Russells. Anyhow, the older one of the two, her name is Abby. Now, whenever we come home, she's, as I said, she's the older one of the two. Whenever we come home, Abby comes running out of the garage. Well, she used to come running now. She comes out a little slower with a bit more dignity. But she would come out, and she just would bark the whole time. Whoop, 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 And all the time, up the gate opens, then she'll run to the, the front wheel. And we're always kind of scared that we might drive over. Or when visitors come, she also, she's not shy. She will go bananas. And, um, and then when we park the car, she goes running around the car. And she just keeps barking. They're here. We imagine that must be what she's saying. They're here. They're here. They're here. Woof, 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 woof. And then we get out the car. And we actually something. Abby, genoegno. Just today was a Z. Hello, Abby. And all she wants is for us to touch or to hold her. And the moment you reach down to do that, because there was a time when she could jump, but that time is long gone. Anyhow, when you reach down, the first thing she wants to do is lick your hand. You know, her snout is just what she just wants to, and that's, what, that's the word that Jesus chose when he explained the expression of worship that the Father wants. That's the kind of worship God is looking for. And for some of us, we worship God like, like a cat. And that's really just, they're here. That's not what God is looking for, no. So if we have cat worshipers here, you better get rid of the meow and get a hold of the bark. Let your bark be louder than your butt. But anyhow, that's the kind of worship God is looking for. In the Bible, we see some who look as though they are God's favorites. Now, we know that God doesn't have any favorites, but you've got to determine if you were one of his favorites. 
Let me say that again. You've got to determine if you were one of God's favorites through the way that you expressed yourself like David. Now, David had an imperfect life in many ways, we know. But he was a man, the Bible says, after God's heart. He was a worshiper. And when he was king, he recovered the Ark of the Covenant that was stolen from them. And you can go and read about this in, in the Old Testament. And when, when they went and got the Ark, the uh, procession, the, the march, although the walk back to Jerusalem, which is where they were now going to take the Ark, was about 12, if we round it off, you could say about 12 kilometers long. That was how far the distance was that they would have to walk to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And so David, the Bible tells us that every six steps they took, he would stop the procession and they would slaughter an animal as a sacrifice to God and they would begin to worship God. And that's what they would do every six steps. So they would do six steps and he'd say, okay, guys, stop, 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 stop. And that he'd sacrifice the animal that that, uh, give it to the Lord as a sacrifice. And they would begin to worship God. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. He was so excited to get the presence of God back. We praise your name. Thank you for your presence, Lord. It's so good that you're back with us. We worship you. We're so excited. And then they would take another six steps. And when the six steps were taken, again, he'd say, stop, guys. Come on, we've got to do this again. We have to do this right now. And they'd slaughter another animal. And then they would worship God. The Bible says they would all worship with all of their hearts. So excited they were to have the presence of God back with them again. They knew what it meant to have the presence of God back with them again. And if you look at that, that we're talking about around about 2,347 sacrifices that was made in a distance of 12 kilometers. That's like from Checkers, or the, the robot as we get off the highway, to Elizabeth Road and back. In that distance, 2,000, more than 2,300 times. That just shows you what kind of a worshiper David was in the way that he showed his expression and the whole of uh, the children of Israel. And so, um, as they offered these sacrifices, the Bible says they did, it, they did it, I think I've already mentioned that, they did it with all of their might. They understood the importance and how to worship God. So I want to just, let's just give God three seconds right now. I want you, Christian Family Church, right now, let's just give God a praise right now. Let's just show Him how much we love Him. Come on, Lord, we love you. Yeah, we worship you. We praise your holy name. That was wonderful. I think the Lord is beaming. That big smile coming across his face every six steps. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 20 to 22, it says, When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, who was his wife, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him, and she said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. And so what she was doing is she was criticizing his worship. And David said to her, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. And then he goes on to say, I will celebrate him. And then uh, he says, he looks at Michelle and says, and you ain't seen nothing yet, baby, because he goes on to say, he says that, um, I've lost my place. He didn't say that. He says, I will become even more undignified than this. 
So he was willing to go even further, to push the envelope further, to go all in with capital A-L-L-I-N, as far as his worship to the Lord is concerned. David looked like a typical sports fan in any modern stadium today on a Saturday. People worship in that form, that expression of love when the goal is scored. Apostle Theo always talks about a piece of pig leather. He doesn't understand why people get so excited when a piece of pig's leather is run by men from one side to the other, and you know, when they push it down into the ground, every body goes absolutely bananas. So David looked like that. That was his expression to God. And why do sports fans do that for people who don't even know their names? When your life gets into a mess, I can tell you that Messi ain't going to be there to fix your life. He's not going to be there. He doesn't even know who you are. Why not worship God, the one who knows not only your name, he knows how many hairs you have on your head at any given time. Come on, let's give him a praise. On Saturday, when you behave that way, they call you a fan. On Sunday, when you behave that way, they call you a fanatic. Isn't that just the wrong way around? I mean, that's the story of Palm Sunday in Luke chapter 19. It says, right at the crest where Mount Olive begins its descent, the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works. Why did they burst into enthusiastic praise? over all the mighty works because of the change that they'd experienced in their own lives, the miracles that they'd witnessed, the life-changing experience that they'd had with Jesus. Blessed is he who comes, the king in God's name, all's well in heaven, glory in the highest places. And then, of course, the party poopers were there. Some Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, get your disciples under control. It just shows you the kind of expression of worship that they were showing if they felt that they were out of control, which is exactly what it looks like on a, in any sports stadium, right? When the team wins. But Jesus said if they kept quiet, what did he say? The stones would do it for them, shouting praise. Now, I'm not going to let any stone out praise the Lord, you know, according, uh, versus me, shall I say. And so I had some convictions that happened for myself as I was preparing this message. So let me quickly make this as practical as I can. Let's see what God's style is. And so we'll go to the biggest book in the Bible. Does anybody know which book that might be? It's the book of Psalms. All the Bible college students, I just heard them there. Psalms. It's got 150 chapters. And the main theme of this book is praise. It just shows you how important this is to God. And so um, the Hebrew word, for praise. So we've done, we've had our Greek lesson. Now we're going to talk a little bit of Hebrew. The Hebrew word, in English, we have one word for praise. Any ideas what that word is? It's praise. That's the word we use. When we say praise, we just have the one word. But in Hebrew, they have seven. Say seven. Seven words to describe different kinds of praise that God enjoys and deserves and desires. And so we're gonna, in our, our quest to worship him with everything, to go all in with our worship. Now I understand that, that you know, giving is a form of worship and our lifestyle is a form of worship. That's absolutely right. But tonight the focus is on the actual expression of our love in the form of worship as we understand worship in a church setting context or when you are 
at home, you know, in your quiet place. Or That's the kind of worship that we're focusing on. And so uh, the first word in Hebrew to describe the word praise that we know is the word hallel. And that's where the word hallelujah comes from. And, um, and Yah is, uh, uh, because hallelujah, the last three letters, Yah, is the word God. So we hallel God. That's actually what, what hallelujah means. And this is what the definition of hallel is. To rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be ceremoniously foolish. I'm not even making this up. This is what the word means. And so let me give you a scripture out of the book of Psalms where this word halal was used. And so it says in uh, Psalm 35 verse 18, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will halal, I will praise you before all people. We're the same. We're the same actually. Those of us that are married, we don't take off our ring just before we leave home and say to our wives, listen, love, I'm just quickly going out, so I'm going to leave the ring here. I'm going to treat you real good like I do when I'm always around you, but I don't want people to know that I'm, I'm married to you, so I'm just going to leave this over here. I'll see you just now. You know that if that were the way that I were to behave, I wouldn't be standing upright here in front of you, right? You understand that. So we are a culture that wants to show off that wants to express our love for those that we love. And so that's what God wants. He wants the same thing. He doesn't have a ring with you, but he's saying, hey, you can worship me in public, and I want to see your expression of love when you do so. The second word is the word yada, and it means to acknowledge in public, you see? It's almost like I've seen this before. And um, it says here, I will praise, Psalm 138 verses 1 is where the word yada is used. I will praise, I will express my love for you in public. You, O Lord, with what, half of my heart? No, with all of my heart. So that's, and the verse goes on in verse 2, it says, um, or no, at least I'm jumping ahead of the game here, but our faith is not supposed to be a private thing. That's what God is saying here. That's what he wants us to know. Your faith is not a private thing. Say that. My faith is not a private thing. The third word is the word barak, and it means to bless by kneeling or bowing. So our whole posture changes now with this word barak, to present yourself to God, to receive his blessings. So not only are we worshiping God in this, in the word barak, but we are also at the same time receiving blessing from God. And um, so look at this Psalm, 103 verses 1. This is where the word Barak is used. It says, praise Barak the Lord, kneel before the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. And then in verse 2 it goes on, and receive all of his benefits. So that word Barak is where we come before the Lord kneeling in respect and reverence to him to worship him, but at the same time we're coming before him to receive his blessing into our lives. That's like a double whammy. It's very powerful if you think about it. The fourth word is the word zamar, and it means to make music to God with strings. That's exactly what we do here. Look how they're standing over there, the three stringed instruments that we use. I believe the piano must have strings, and the old ones used to, uh, had strings in um, to strike the keys. But we're not here for a music lesson. What we are here to see is the way that God desires to be worshipped. 
And so the word zamar in Psalm 92 verses one, this is where that word is used. It says, it is good to praise, to zamar the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. In Psalm 150 verses three to five, it says, praise him with the tambourine, more instruments being introduced here, and dancing. So when we see that happening, this is not to be frowned upon. This is not, this is not uh, what was the word that I used earlier where I said that we're modern? This is not being, uh, no, there was another word I used. Contemporary. This is, this is uh, traditional. This is what it says in the book of Psalms, that we should be dancing, we should praise him with the strings. Now, I don't dance before the Lord because I don't dance. But inside I'm dancing. He can see my heart dances, okay? <laughs> Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding, the loud, in other words, cymbals. This is God's style, folks. This is not um, uh, something that we have decided to share with you. This is how he wants it done. The fifth word is the word shabach. And this is to address in a loud tone, to shout. Like Abby does. She doesn't care if the neighborhood hears the fact that she loves us. Even when we shush her, she doesn't know how to be shush. She actually goes like, rub, 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 and she just carries on. And so um, look at Psalm 63. It says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise. In other words, shout in a loud tone. You as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. So there we have hands coming in. The sixth word to describe uh, uh, the word praise as we know in the Hebrew, the style in which God wants to be worshipped and praised and adored is the word toda. And this is to lift our hands in adoration. That's why we lift our hands. God wants us to. It's a form of adoring him. And in Psalm 50 verses 23, it says, he who offers praise, and that's that word being used there, toda. He who offers praise lifts or hands lifted to God, in other words, glorifies me. That's what God sees. You might see if that's not your thing, you might see why do these people do this? But what God sees is the fact that you are glorifying him. Glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation, and to him that orders his conversation all right, will I show the salvation of God. So what is the purpose of the hands? Hands symbolize us reaching to God like a child would reach out to its parent. Have you ever seen that happen with your children? When they reach out to you, my son reaches out to me like this nowadays. But when he was young, it was that way. So it's a form of reaching out. Um, another, another symbol uh, of the hands is a sign of surrender or a sign of receiving. We receive from God through just raising our hands. If you could imagine just my hands in the shape that they're at as a funnel, just, Lord, this is where you send your blessings. Thank you, right here, right here between my two palms. That's the word toda. And then the final word, the seventh word, is the word tahila. Say tahila. I heard tequila somewhere, but that's not the word. It's tahila. Although both of them produce the same result, they give the same kind of expression, which is exuberant singing. That's what tahila means exuberant singing. And 
And so let's look at Psalm 34, verses one. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His tehillah, his praise will always be on my lips. I'm going to praise God. In other words, with my lips is what that is saying. And that's why we sing to the Lord and tell him these wonderful things and and express what we feel about him to him in song and, and in all the various forms when we speak to him. Psalm 108 verses one to three kind of puts a bunch of these together. It says, oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give zamar, praise, even with my glory. I will yadavi, is the next word used in the same verse. Oh Lord, among the people, and I will sing tahila unto thee among the nations. Some of you may say, but Paul, that's beautiful, it's poetic, it's out the Old Testament. Well, let me show you what God says in the New Testament. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Let me stop right there. A sacrifice. Do you know what that insinuates? It means that it's not something that you really want to do necessarily or in the way that you want to do it. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. This is something that we do even when we're not willing to do it. That's what makes it a sacrifice. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. This is the way in which God desires to be worshiped. And we need this family because when we love God in this kind of way, we are going to experience God at an entirely new level. And even if you don't, He is worthy. He is worthy, amen? Family of God, we are all worshiping something. Something is getting our attention. Why not God? Let's give, let's worship God with all of our heart. Just give God a worship right now. Just say, thank you, Father. I thank you for who you are. I glorify your wonderful name. I worship you, mighty Lord. You're so good to me. Thank you for knowing how many hairs are on my head. That's how interested the Lord is in us. And I, I want to close with, with a, a little story. It's actually out of, it's about a film. It's a portion out of a film called Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. It's not a modern film. It was filmed back in the 70s. And um, it depicted a family, a Jewish family in Russia in the 1900s, the early 1900s. And in the Jewish culture of the day, daddy was the one who picked the husband for the daughter. And he had five daughters. This father, he was a milkman. That was his profession. He had five daughters. And he would be the one to pick the husbands for them. But what had happened was his daughters had actually fallen in love with guys that weren't the ones that he had picked for them. So that really is the premise of this, this movie is this, this, um, this battle that he has with, is he going to allow love? Is he going to allow his daughters to enjoy true love? Or are they going to stick with tradition and they'll have to marry the men that he picks out for them? And this is the dilemma that he finds himself in. And, and then at some point in the film, he realizes that, hang on a minute, him and his wife were put together. They had matchmakers in those days that would come and, and uh, you know, try and help the father to, to get this right. And he recalls because him and his wife met each other for the first time on the day that they were wed. So he goes into the house and it's a musical, this film. It's a long musical, if you're into that. 
And uh, he goes into the house and he closes the door behind him and he doesn't want the girls to hear and he goes into the kitchen and his wife is there and she's busy ironing and doing wifely things, you know. And, um, and, he, and now he's wondering about this and he looks at his wife and he reaches out, he stretches out his hand to her and he goes, do you love me? And she replies, to say, she looks at him at first in a strange kind of way, and then she replies and says, for 25 years, I've washed your clothes, I've cooked your meals, and I've milked your cows. And she goes on to mention all the things that she does for him. And he's like, I know that, but do you love me? Is what he wants to know. And I, and I imagine God looking across the churches in this world, and it's like we're saying to him, Lord, you know what, I showed up for church. I mean, it wasn't easy. I had to wake up early. It's cold. Uh, you know, this winter was cold, and, but I got to church, and I, and I even gave something in the offering. And God's like saying, I know. And we're saying, not only that, but I, I served when I was at the church. I even served the people while I was at the church. And, and God's looking at that and he says, I know, but do you love me? is what he is asking because that's what he wants more than anything, more than your offering, more than your attendance, more than your serving. He wants your heart. That's what God's after. And it would be wonderful if you decided, I'm not gonna put it through the kind of filter of what I like, but I'm going to love him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind because I love him. So I want to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed at this time. And I want to pray for every one of you. Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church, Christian Family Church, and all of the people that fellowship here. Lord, I want to say that we do love you. But I'm asking, Father, that you would help us to go to new levels and be more expressive in our worship. Help us, Father, to be on time. Help us to understand the importance of the worship part of our service. That this is an opportunity that I have to actually come and express my heart to you in a way that you desire, the style that you desire. I'm asking you to help me with that. We want to go in with everything, Lord, that is in us. May we give you the worship, Father, I pray that you desire and the worship that you deserve. This is my prayer for every single person here, for those watching, wherever they may be, listening to this. Change our hearts, I pray, and help us to remember this, Father, and not allow the word to be stolen from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for changing every heart here tonight. In the name of Jesus. And while your heads are bowed, I want to ask you to make a decision right now to what this message is saying to you. And make your decision to go all in with your worship. To go all in. Allow God to see how you feel about Him in that time or that opportunity to express it. Make that decision. It's between you and the Lord in any case. I'm not asking anyone to stand or raise a hand or anything. It's just a decision I'm asking you to make. In Jesus' name, Father, I want to remember this and 
live by this, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, while every head is still bowed, remains bowed, and your eyes are closed, there are people that are here with us tonight that your very next step to go all in with God is to actually meet Him. And so if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you might have had opportunities in the past, but you, and maybe you even said yes to it but didn't really mean it. But if you're here tonight and you've never given Jesus an opportunity to be the Lord of your life, you've never recognized Him as the Son of God and received Him as your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to encourage you to respond to this, uh, this altar call right now. And, and when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to be included in this prayer. Raising your hand, as you heard me say, is a way to reach out to God and say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. So if you're here tonight and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, then I wanna pray with you. If you're here tonight and, and you wanna come back to God, because that can happen sometimes in our lives, is that we can, we can pull away from God. There can be something that is wedged between us, a bad experience, a, a, a hurt, a, a, an offense, whatever. And so we begin to drift away from God. And if that's you and you know, listen, I'm not where I should be with God. I need to come back to God. Then I wanna include you in this prayer. And if you're here tonight and you don't know if you were to die, God forbid, but if you were to die, where you would, that you would spend eternity in heaven. If you're not sure of that, then you need to raise your hand in this altar call. You wanna know where you're going to spend eternity and you want that place to be heaven. So that's my appeal to you right now. If you wanna receive Jesus, make him the Lord of your life. If you wanna return back to God, or if you wanna be sure that you will go to heaven if you were to die, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, right now, raise your hand. Don't allow, thank you, thank you. Don't allow tonight to pass you by and you're not sure of your salvation. That would be the biggest mistake that you've ever made. If there's anyone else, you can raise your hand right now. Thank you. Anyone else? It's so easy. Right now, your eternity can be settled forever. Anyone else? I'm about to pray and I'm gonna ask that a leader comes alongside you. You may feel a, a gentle hand on your shoulder. Thank you. Another hand, thank you. And this leader, they're just there to stand beside you and, and just you know, be, um, to encourage you. And now I wanna lead us in a prayer. That's what we're gonna do now. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask everybody to repeat this prayer after me, but especially those that have raised their hands. You're about to go all in with God. You're giving your whole life to Him. And, um, and so we're very proud of you. And so I wanna, I wanna lead you in this prayer, okay? And I want you to think about the words that you're saying. Let's say this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, tonight I heard about Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son to die for me. Tonight I've raised my hand as an indication to you that I want to make you the Lord of my life. And so right now I give my life. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. And that right now, my name is written into the Lamb's book of life. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.